We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land. We respectfully acknowledge elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be. Welcome to Wine with Megan Mal. We're here to help beginners navigate the world of wine. I'm Mal, I'm joined as always by Master of Wine, Meg Brotman. And Meg, we've been fighting about something lately, haven't we? We have. Your unfounded belief that you can, <laughs> you have to cook with really expensive special wine. Well, not really expensive, but just like... Wine that you would drink. Wine that you would drink. Yeah, it's what I've always been taught, sort of in all the wine classes and stuff I've done, so it's what I've always followed. But you vehemently disagree, right? Well, like I said, I cook with wine that I have a bottle in the fridge, I top it up with all our leftover wine, and I just use that whenever I need to cook. Okay, so what we've decided is to actually put this to the test. Um, Mega's brought in two different dishes, cook the same, although one with nice wine, one with much less expensive wine and we figured that we're both way too biased on the subject so we have brought in a special guest to help us judge this so thank you for joining us Anthony Kudija. Thank you nice to be here. So Anthony is executive chef at the Farm Yarra Valley absolutely beautiful food we were tasting Mm. it the other day weren't we? Oh my god it's fantastic. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Potatoes are sublime. Potatoes are good. Definitely. Those ribs. Oh those ribs. I know. I won't go on. We we, we know firsthand that it's good food so we know firsthand that Anthony is a good person to um, be able to help us out in deciding this very important debate. Do you use good wine though? Um, At home? No. For cooking? No I do not. Mm. I don't really notice a difference personally but I can't say I've done it side by side so this will be quite an interesting experiment. We will see. We will see. Okay so before we get into it I'll put it to you first Meg. Have you got a fun fact? I have and I've shown this to you already there's been a hangover ring found in an ancient wine site so I don't know if you've been reading in the news there's this um, winery in Israel that's 1500 years old they've got presses tanks well amphora tanks and everything and in it they've found an amethyst ring um, which they claim was an anti-hangover ring so if you wore it and strangely enough my Wait, what w- do you mean ring like a, a stone a ring or so like amethyst a ring that you put is a on stone and you put the ring on your finger okay and strangely enough my wedding ring has an amethyst in it so I didn't know of this but I do get hangovers so but I do take my wedding ring off every night maybe I need to leave it on so I don't get a hangover yeah you should no that's the next thing that we can put to the test so in the article in the article they said look out for purple stone rings at cellar doors and in clean wine marketing guff near you shortly. They think that Goop will be selling them soon. Oh my god, that is awesome. I thought that was pretty cute. That is cute, I like that one. Now my next question I'm going to throw to Anthony. What have you been drinking? Anything interesting? Um, To be honest, lately I've been trying to cut down I put on a lot of weight during lockdown. (laughs) Haven't we all? (laughs) (laughs) If I was to drink though, probably um, Pinot Noir is definitely my favourite. Closely followed by Tempranillo. Mm, Nice. Why do you like those tiles? Um, just a little, especially the Pinot, it's a lot lighter. It's just yeah. um, easy to drink. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I drink a reasonably wide variety, but certainly would be my go-tos. Yeah, awesome. Sure. Okay, look, I reckon we're ready to get into this. I am right. so excited to finally put this to bed. I need to, the, the thing, I don't know how you want to do this. So I've cooked, what I did is I took... Um, 
I bought meat. Yeah. I made a beef bourguignon. Same meat. I browned the, the meat together. And then when I went to the brandy on top, I separated it out into two pots, one blue pot, one red pot. Mm-hmm. I then put the wines in. One was a $7 Jacobs Creek Pinot Noir and one was a $30, $35 2015 Greenstone Pinot Noir. Okay. Everything else was exactly the same. Maggie, uh, Stephanie... Who, who's got that big colourful book? Stephanie Alexander's yes. recipe. So and I think, I think the bouquet garni is still in here. That's right. In the pouch. So Extra watch flavor. out. And now, when it comes to the wines, I feel like it needs to be said, it, we always say that it depends what wine you're drinking. It depends how expensive you need to go. Jacob's Creek, you buy that $7 Riesling. It is bloody gorgeous. But I have to say the $7 Pinot Noir is just so different. It's like a dry red. It's not like Pinot. Exactly. It's just night and day to what you would get for a nice bottle. So in like a tasting, this would be night and day. So it's really interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Anthony might find this funny. Thanks. I I don't know if you want to taste it in the container or put it in a bowl. Um, So notice the different colour of the containers? Yes. One's blue and one's green. Okay. And so we are pairing this with the Pinot as well, so mm-hmm. we can see how it would taste if you had it with the nice Pinot. So do you want a bowl? Yeah, maybe. Let's do the bowl thing. Um, and I feel like it needs to be said. I, I will, said to I will Meg serve the other you day, here. I said to Meg, I was like, um, do you have to use Pinot Noir? And what did you say? It's beef bloody bourguignon. That's what the bourguignon comes from. <laughs> I didn't know that. I felt like an idiot. She goes, it has the on your dick. (laughs) And I've got to say, I'm a bit scared um, to be showing a chef this, but, you know, it's... That's what I was going to say. You have massive balls to be able to show this to a chef. I'm wrapped. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing something that you can't go too wrong with. Definitely. Oh, it's delicious. So I think what you need to do is taste each of them and see if you think there's a difference. If there is a difference. That's well, we know there's delicious. a difference. Oh, my God, that's so good. Okay, so, Anthony, do you have anything to say, like, about the balance or the flavours? What do you think? It's quite a depth of flavour. It's quite rounded. I can taste it through, throughout the whole the whole dish, even if I break the the beef open a little bit. Mm. It's not terribly stained red. Um, sometimes people marinate it in the, the wine overnight, I've heard mm. people do it. Mm. Um, no, it's, it's quite delicious. I, I certainly get the wine flavour. Yep. I'm excited to see what the other one is like. Yeah. Now we're on number two. I don't not chew into the microphone. Yeah, I know. You better not. <laughs> Someone hates my slurping sounds. <laughs> Someone co- made a review that they don't like the really? slurping, and she has <laughs> never let it go. I don't forget it. She brings it up, like, every day. <laughs> <laughs> I know which one I like better, but I don't want to say yet. I'm going to wait till Anthony. Okay. Both delicious. I would say the first one has more of a wine, more of a stronger wine flavour. I would say it comes through a bit more throughout the whole dish. Personally, still um, bloody delicious. In terms of wine flavour, um, like a preferable preferable flavour from a chef perspective, like if you wanted to serve one of these, would, I would you? Say so. The first yeah. one. Um, so. 100% first one for me. The first one is the Greenstone 2015. Yes! Really? Brilliant. And the blue one is the Jacobs Creek. Now, yeah. 
for me, when Pete and I did this, when when I was still cooking it, he thinks that the difference is, and this is how geeky my husband is, he wanted to get some of the juice and do a pH on it to see what the acidity uh. was, because he reckons the acid in the Jacob's Creek wine, the acid in the Jacob's Creek wine is making it seem fruitier but less depth of flavour. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. his theory. No, he's not a chef, mind you. But. That's right. Wait, so do you agree, Meg? Do you agree that the first one is nicer or has more wine flavour or whatever than the second one? No, no. <laughs> I, think, I think the first one definitely has more depth of flavour. Yeah. Yes. Um, and the other one seems fruitier. Yeah. And a bit lighter. Yes. But... I would cook with either of them. I would personally say I would, I'd be happy to, to, to eat both of them any day of the week. Yeah. 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 I don't think I'd send either of them back. So, no. No. acceptable. 100%. So maybe this Heco message is like, if it's just like a weeknight or something, it's probably you don't need to spend 30 bucks on a bottle. Well, it's yeah. nearly a bottle of wine. Yeah. Well, in fact, if you did the full, because I sort of halved the recipe, so I've got 500 grams each of meat, mm-hmm. um, you'd be using... A lot of wine. Like I said, I use anything that I've got. And a woman has done this exact study, but she used volatile wine that she had in her fridge that yeah. was definitely vinegary acidity. Gee. And she did the same test, good wine, cheap wine, blah, 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 red wine. And even with the volatile, she thinks that the acetic acid and the nail polish remover smell <laughs> pleasant do blow off yeah. with the cooking process and okay. th- that's the thing I think it's the time there's so many variables at play okay definitely so we've used Pinot Noir today because apparently that's hello okay but um say it's not beef riojas okay okay I realise I realise how, how dumb that was now um, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Anthony, what are the other key dishes that you do use wine in? Um, I use a lot of um, bases for quite a lot of sauces and a lot of stocks and that kind of thing, especially okay. white wine. White wine? It's just quite, um, it's more subtle and it goes through a lot of different dishes, even sweet dishes. Even yesterday I did some, um, I pumped up some golden raisins for a salad. Golden raisins, so I put half white wine, half water, a little bit of sugar and then um, some aromatics and then I brought up to the boil put the golden raisins in and they suck all that flavour up and I use that as a dressing over the roasted cauliflower there's heaps and heaps of different uses sweet, savoury and so what is the wine adding in a context is it the flavour of the wine that is it's a depth of flavour definitely um, that goes throughout the whole dish so um, alcohol in cooking it actually can carry the aroma and flavour because it bonds to the water and fat Wait, say that again. So alcohol can bond to water and fat. It can take the flavour and aroma from water and fat. Oh, wow. As opposed to just putting a bit of water or stock, it doesn't um, doesn't carry the same kind of flavour. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Oh, that is why. That is my question. Yeah. Yeah, deglazing. Can you, um, Meg was talking about this the other day. I don't actually know what that is. So when you say you've got, um, for example, the beef burger, you brown, brown off the meat, get it nice and nice and colour and caramelised, take it out, and then you deglaze the pan, or you can leave it in there if you want, depending on your process. 
you deglaze the wine, literally just adding into the pan. You scrape the bottom of the pan. It's taking all of those crusty, um, crusty caramelized, mm. really unctuous flavors that are stuck in the bottom of the pan and putting it throughout the sauce instead of just letting it burn on the bottom. Of Does the that pan. mean that the alcohol wouldn't get burnt out and like boiled out? Uh, it the depends. Alcohol Normally, when you deglaze it, the pan is ripping hot. So oh, so it probably would. Correct. It do you want the does. 1992 study that was done in the US? Yeah, Ooh. I do, because this is the other thing that... Okay, so I read on Reddit. Mm-hmm. I read on Reddit. I'd so don't <laughs> cruise Reddit. I sounded so cool for a second, Murray. It got shared to Facebook, like, but it started on Reddit. Was this... This mum um, had her friend babysit... Um, their five-year-old and she made bolognese and um, then she her, her five-year-old loved the bolognese so she asked her friend oh my god can I have this recipe my kid just wants to eat this bolognese gets the recipe and it features a cup of red wine cracked it at the other mum and is like you fed my five-year-old wine so firstly like <laughs> I kind of want to know where you guys stand on that. Like, oh, what's a lot of bollocks? Seriously, I mean, it's it's absorbed. The alcohol does change, and the, the amount that the child will be eating a cup of wine or whatever in yeah, what five hundred grams of meat they cook it, and they've shown so over time, fifteen minutes you've got forty percent of the alcohol left. 30 minutes, 35%, one hour, 25%, two hours, 10%, two and a half hours, 5%. And if you leave it out overnight, um, you lose more. And if during that two and a half hours cooking, you're actually taking the lid off, which you would do for spaghetti bolognese, you lose, yeah, you lose even more. To be fair, if they were making a a dish for five-year-old kids, I doubt they've left it overnight. So there could have been 40% of the alcohol left in it. She wouldn't have cooked it for 15 minutes because it would have been horrible and the kid wouldn't want it. A bolognese, normally you cook for at least an hour. Yeah. Oh, really? They yeah, say... Just, I'm really showing how much I'm cooking. Don't they say initially from morning till mm. night? Yes. There's Are some you saying? Yep. Yeah. So like, oh, when I make bolognese, I just... Oh, actually... Ten minutes on the start. You're making savoury oh mints, darling. You're not <laughs> making bolognese. <laughs> my husband loves savoury mints. A bit of savoury mints on toast. I didn't on know it was... Toast. Oh, don't even talk to me about it. It's disgusting. Open a jar, put it in, add some mints. Done. Sure, right. Sorry, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. That's so savory mints. Savory mints. <laughs> completely fine. I take some shortcuts at home. Do Ooh, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm fascinated that you say you use white wine often more than red wine. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is that? Just as generally, the red wine is quite a lot more punchy and quite more full on. It depends what dishes. Um, so cooking with red meat, you generally would use red wine. But um, with a lot of other things like things that can um, be used in desserts or side dishes or salads, a white wine is a lot more preferable. It's just a lot easier to blend with lots of different flavours. What kind of wine would you use? Um, something fruity, something like a Riesling. Riesling. A little bit sweet. Dr- oh, sweet? Yeah. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Often, it depend, depends what it is. Um, you can certainly use dry at home. Yeah, I've just used some, as, you, as you've said, just having leftover, mm. um, just pouring it in. I've just got a little plastic flask that I just use, a little bit of the dregs, you know, left from the bottle, just using in the cooking the do. next day. <laughs> but I, I use it like a month later, you know, because it's really only in winter that you make those big beef bourguignons or yeah. things that yeah. need the red sauce. Yeah. So in summer I would, I would, you know, throw it out and I wouldn't have it in there, but I would yes. always have some white wine yeah. in there as well. Mm. But when you're cooking 
with wine. So mm-hmm. with those sultanas that you soaked up, um, they're obviously taking in pure alcohol. So that just adds another flavour. And I'm assuming when you eat it, there's so much to go on in your mouth as yeah, well absolutely. that they all would interplay differently to how they were just sitting in a, a bowl, if that makes sense. Yeah, because, mm. because it's in that hot liquid, it really sucks up and they, they plump up, they almost go double their size. And so you have a little bit of the cauliflower, it's toasty and roasty, and then you have this burst of the golden raisin and it's super um, plump and, and soft and juicy. It's, it's, it's quite a nice balance. It counteracts really nicely. So, say we've got like um, a. So, what would you use in a bolognese? Like a Shiraz or. I generally use Shiraz. Shiraz. Yeah, or, or a Capsab or, or something like that. Yep. Meg, what would you pair with to drink with a bolognese that would use Shiraz? Do you need to drink Shiraz with it or do you not think it matters? No, I don't. I mean, bolognese made well, not with a jar of something and some brown <laughs> oil. I am not mint. I have like really insulted Meg. I think everybody is fine with me, but Meg is not impressed. Um, like a, a proper bolognese, you know, that's, that's had time and love put into it, is rich and yeah. needs, yeah, okay. I think, needs a, a big, fruity, rich wine. Okay, so it doesn't need to be the same varietal, but just the same level of power. Yeah, and yes. I think because it can be... Mince is a little bit fatty, so you get mm-hmm. that sort of fattiness. So you'd want something with a bit of good mm-hmm. tannin in there and good acidity. Yes. And I mean, Bologna, where it's from... Yeah. I, they've got a really dirty story about Bologna, but I won't tell you on the, the wireless. <laughs> it's never stopped you before. Okay, well, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> there's an Italian saying that... And I'm not sure... I don't know the Italian for it, but it, it says... To, to make like a, a person from Bologna is to give a head job because they claim that the Bolo, Bo, Bolognese, whatever the people are called, will eat, put anything in their mouth. Wow. <laughs> but they're not really gourmands. I know. This is I've the Italians speaking that. about the Italians. Oh, my God. Wait, who said Jeez. that? Someone in Italy. I think they were from the Marche oh when I was working God. there, that which is, is kind of like so the food centre of Italy. Funny. Yeah, said that there is a saying that <laughs> means to make like a, a person from Bologna and it, is a, it translates as a head job because they will put anything, anything, in, the the, anything in their mouth. That's so funny. So I don't know what they drink uh, around there. I mean, that kind of yeah. Emilia Romagna area is Lombrusco and crap. So yeah, yeah. a lighter red, probably acidic. But yeah, okay. I, I'm with Anthony. Something rich yeah. because it's a yes. rich. It's quite a heavy. Yeah. Heavy okay. Dish, yes. And Anthony, do you have any top tips for people who are cooking with wine? Um, make sure you put it on uh, the earlier stages of cooking. You want it to oh, yeah. you, you want to cook it out of it, otherwise you, you do get that raw kind of alcohol, mm. not raw alcohol, raw wine taste, and it can can take over rather than permeate and blend through the dish and be uh, rounded through the dish. Okay. What's with the brandy thing? So when I made this, mm-hmm. Stephanie says to heat a small pot of brandy, light it, and then pour it over the meat. But so that's before oh, I've added the wine. The, okay. I guess she really. She wants does to have in that alcohol. And okay. Flambe happening. Flambe. So what? Just to ignite the alcohol. Oh. Yeah. But is the brandy adding okay. something to the dish? Do you I mean, know? The brandy will have a lot of extra flavour and obviously a higher alcohol content. Um. I don't really know if that would make a difference. Because she does say optional. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I did it because I kind of deglazed the pan with yes. it because I had no way of deglazing because I ha- couldn't use the same. It's mm. tricky. Yeah. Just couldn't use the same one. I've never heard of that before. I don't really see much of a difference. 
Yeah, I've, I never. When I normally make it, I don't because it's too much hassle. Yeah. Um, but this time I that thought, could be oh, another experiment. Yeah, it could. <laughs> <laughs> we well, mind you, I set got the nearly set fire to the house, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, I nearly set fire to the house oh. doing it. Oh my god! Oh, I had the tea towel sitting on the element. I didn't oh, no. on the gas. I didn't notice oh, it. No. But suddenly, oh, I could see this smoke coming oh, out. Oh, oh, Jesus, the yeah. things we do for this podcast I burn know. down your house. But you got some nice lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was worth it. it yeah, was so worth it. Well done. Thank so you. Anthony, Christmas is coming up. People are probably going to be thinking about what they could make um, Christmas Day or the Christmas celebrations. Mm-hmm. Is there any relatively simple dishes that feature wine that you think could be a good one in this season? Something like a red wine poached pear. It's always good. Lots <gasps> of aromatics. Oh, my God. Yeah. Can you talk us through how to make it? Yeah. Um, is it a dessert? Yes, you generally use it as, mm. as a dessert. But if you have leftovers... Um, you can, when it's cold, you can slice it up and you can put it through a salad. Oh. There's so many uses for it. Um, we've done that years ago and, and taken all the core out and blended it up um, and used it kind of like as a gel um, <gasps> served it with some pork belly. Oh. Kind of like that Christmasy spicy. It's yeah. delicious. Really, really And the poaching stock, stock too, you could... Yeah, you could definitely so, use that. Okay, so talk us through the dish and how you make it. So it would be um, get some nice... Some nice pears, some firm pears, whatever's in season at the time. Yeah. Um, and just peel them, keep the core, keep them intact because um, they're quite soft when they cook so they can fall apart. Um, and then it's just going to be a syrup, a, a poaching syrup slash stock, I guess you'd call it. Um, red wine with some water, some sugar, um, aromatic spices like cinnamon, star anise, cloves, maybe some peppercorns, some brown mm. sugar, maybe some orange zest slash orange peel um, bring it up to the boil so wait sorry um, so we Go put we put water in mm-hmm. a pan then we add all the things you said yes bring it to the with, boil with wine yeah oh with wine it'd probably be 70 probably probably 60% wine <laughs> 60% oh so 60% wine and, and some water and a bit of water just so it's not so full on otherwise it's going to be okay yeah, it won't be it won't be too tasty it'll be, it'll be too much yeah uh, and yeah, with all the other aromatics and sugar and that kind of thing, bring it up to the boil so all those flavours can go throughout it and you should just be able to put your pears in, um, as you were saying before, with your parchment paper on top and then paper. Um, just to stop evaporating. Oh. <laughs> Otherwise, all the liquid will go halfway down the pear and the, the bottom will cook and the top will be raw. Oh. Yeah, so pears have to be immersed in the liquid. And a little bit of paper on top will stop. But like, why paper as opposed to like the lid of the pan? Well, you could use it. Yeah, because it sits on the surface. Yeah, it's it's the oxygen that you want to eliminate. Oh. Yeah. And it kind of acts, you know, it it precipitates and condenses on the paper and then falls back in. So it's you don't dry things out. Okay. I'm assuming I don't know. That's correct. But that's what and that's what happens. (laughs) I'm assuming that's why. Okay. And so, how long are we leaving it in there? Um, you, you bring it to the boil and you put the, the pears in, then the, the temperature will come down. So you bring it up, um, you, not quite to the boil, otherwise they'll they'll um, cook and they'll go turn into mush. But you'd probably bring it to poaching temperature around 90-ish degrees, 95. Uh-huh. Um, so just on low and probably half hour to 45 minutes, depending on the, the size of the pears. And just turn it off and just let them sit there. And then, yeah, they'll just suck all that liquid up. And yeah, they're ready to go. How do you serve them? Just on their own, or do you have uh, we normally cream cut, or something? We, we normally cut them in half and just scoop out the core because you don't want yeah. to that, that um, core is not very nice. Uh, and you can present it like that, 
Um, so with ice cream, you can have it with a pudding. You can slice it and put it through a, a tart and bake the tart. Oh, my God. All sorts. And then, then that liquid that's left over, you can just put that back in a pan and just cook and cook and cook and reduce it to a nice sticky syrup and you can drizzle that over the top. I'm so excited. So many things that you, you need can to do. start cooking. I never bring anything to Christmas Day. My mum's always like, bring the wine. And all my siblings bring actual like dishes. Proper but food. I'm in charge of the wine, so I get that out works. of it. But maybe I will actually do something this Christmas. You're getting day. married now, so you'll be doing a Christmas lunch at your house one day. I don't know. It's, oh, I bet you will. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Um, Wine's always so good, just for me to clarify, what wine would we use? Um, it shouldn't matter for something like that, to be honest. I've used Shiraz in the past. I've used Pinot. Yeah. Um, it shouldn't really matter, to be honest. All right. Because you're putting a lot of other aromatics and you're diluting it a little with water and you're adding the sugar. Yep. Um, no, it, it, there's many varieties that, that are available. That's for sure. And I wouldn't be surprised if it would be the similar with this beef bourguignon that you wouldn't have to use a very expensive bottle of wine to get a really good result. Amazing. Okay, well, we might finish it up there. Thank you so much, Anthony, um, for being with us today. You were awesome contribution um, to this podcast, and it was Thanks. really good to have an impartial judge because if I had have said that, it wouldn't have had as much weight. <laughs> no, I think you're, you're right. It, it, there's definitely a significant difference between them, and there's more depth of flavour in the expensive bottle of wine but I'd still use cheap wine because I don't think it's significantly different (laughs) (laughs) well thank you Anthony before we finish up Meg we do have a question as always this one is from Hamina and she wants to know why there is sometimes sediment in wine and if that is a good or a bad thing so if the wine's old and it's a red wine, it's a good thing. What happens as wine ages, there's tannin in wine and then there's colour components and they start to join together and then they become so heavy that they actually come out of solution. So you get this red crustiness sitting down the bottom of the bottle. Um, with white wine, you may see some what we call wine diamonds, a little bit of looks like glass unfortunately and that's the acid again coming out of solution over time um, and depositing in the bottom and so it's you know if you're drinking an old wine you do want to see that it's old um, and it's losing it'll be lighter in colour and everything but yeah decant that's one of the reasons you can decant your wine that's why we decant the wine Okay, well, thank you, Meg. Um, thank you for listening, everyone. Next week, we've got a really exciting one as well because we're talking about one of my favourites, Marsan. Yes, we've got some Meg's exciting ex- wine. Meg's excited about Marsan. You never used to like Marsan. No, I, since you've been going on and on and on about it, um, I've realised that it kind of is a bit of an all-rounder. If it's got some age on it, I still am not convinced of these young wines. Oh. I know what they can do. All right. Wait, have you got young ones for I do. us to taste? Okay, so we're gonna, we'll taste through them next week and we'll see how the Marsan goes. But until then, enjoy your next glass of wine. Drink well.